going on? Welcome back to another episode of the wonderful New York City SESL podcast. And today is another one. Oh my God. We're going to, oh my God. We're going to uh, jump into the importance of a chairperson. And I do have an article in regards to someone having ri- uh, written something that says, oh my God, uh, you have to start a meeting like this. Now, if you guys are unaware of a chairperson, this is someone who basically, you know, tells people to, you know, calm down and to move on from one item to another. And it's so funny that I'm going to give this uh, parasite uh, a little bit of credit. Uh, but he's the one that said, oh, you don't think you're as good as you say you are. Remember that guy, right? Back five years ago, he knew it because I was way better than him. You know, just old guy getting in his feelings. But anyways, this specific guy, I remember... Uh, I think he was aware of how uh, meetings had gone before. I remember we were going over something. This was probably when we still had not even productive workshops, but semi-half-ass workshops uh, in terms of developing IELTS and SAT and stuff like that. And we're trying to get other teachers on board so themselves can become assets in the company and not have to rely on just group classes and people who are just learning like general English, which isn't very, right? If you get into test preparation, that get, that opens you up to another 50% of the overall market within the tutorial center. But anyways, I remember there were times during the meeting where he was, you know, doing whatever he did. I don't even remember what the meeting was about. I think it was about IELTS or something like that. Um, and then he ended up saying, um, you know, so we started getting or other teachers started complaining and talking about something. And then he stopped everyone. He said, OK, can we move on to the next point? Thanks. And I just thought that was brilliant. I thought that was brilliant because we do have a tendency of, you know, just not focusing, like not understanding what the intent is at the beginning of a meeting. Right. And so what's going to happen here? I'm going to read you this and then we're going to break this down and oh my god some some really funny things that i'm going to be revealing to you so here we goes we work therefore we meet but why do so few of our meetings meet our expectations michael begman is a leading authority on one of the business world's most universal rituals the meeting an anthropologist and computer scientist by training, he is a manager of the 3M Meeting Network. So what's the most effective meeting that Begman has seen lately? He says that it didn't take place in a high-rise office building or at a cutting-edge chip factory. In fact, it took place in a teepee, in a scene from Dances with Wolves, oscar winning film featuring Kevin Costner. Now, for those of you that do not know what a teepee is, it is or was a tent used by, of course, Native Americans, the Americans. Uh, yeah, there it is, the Americans. And I'm, well, I think I'm about 10% Native American too. Best friend, as a matter of fact, from uh, kindergarten is Native American. Unbelievable, unbelievable people, love them. And so he goes on to say the scene takes place after a group of Native Americans discover Costner in the movie, of course, not far from their camp. Between 20 to 30 members of the tribe gather around for a meeting. There's one big question, though, on their agenda. What should they do with this mysterious, quote-unquote, white man? What follows, claims Beckman, is a masterclass in good meeting behavior. Quote, people actually listen to one another, he marvels. 
There are some genuine disagreements, but everyone recognizes merit in everyone else's position and tries to incorporate it into his thinking. That's a beautiful thing. Literally recognizing merit in everyone else's position, not looking at someone as higher or being lower, but recognizing that everyone is an asset. Beautiful. The chief spends most of the time or of his time listening. When the time comes to make a decision, he says something like, it's hard to know what to do. We should talk about this some more. That's all I have to say. And the meeting ends. He is honest enough to admit that he is not ready to make a decision. So how does Begman compare that with what takes place inside most conference rooms today? Do you want to know the truth? He asks. Here's my mental image of what happens at most business meetings. You could take the people out and replace them with radios blaring at each other. And you would not have to change or you would not have changed very much. That's what most meetings are like. People wait for the other person who's speaking to take a break so that they could jump in to the empty space and talk. The quality of communication in most meetings is roughly comparable to the quality of the arguments that you used with your 10-year-old brother. And so blaring means to make a loud noise. So with that being said, Native Americans and the leaders of a tribe, whether it's the Cherokee, or the, oh my God, the Apache, whatever types of, obviously there were just hundreds of types of Native American groups scattered across the plains of the America. And nonetheless, everyone respected one another. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things, respect other people's opinions. And remember I talked to you, I went on a fucking tear last podcast about, of course, the Turkish guy working in one of the higher up rankings in Air Asia because he's a true dickhead. But nonetheless, you know, when you respect other people because you know their merit and their position, that takes away all seniority. That takes away all power skill. That takes away all I'm better than you bullshit. You know, I remember Gary V, uh, someone who I used to follow about four or five years ago. He said that him and Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks uh, NBA basketball team out there in America, Always should show up to the meeting. And let's just say there are 10 CEOs that should be there. Those two are the ones that always show up there, not on time, but 10 to 15 minutes before. The other CEOs show up late because they just feel like they don't need to show up on time. It goes to show you a lot about what they think about the other CEOs that were there present and there at the beginning, disrespecting their time. And so if we look at this, this is my question to you. How can you avoid upsetting people you disagree with? That is a very, very big question. And I think when it comes to me, I ask questions. I just ask questions. It's just like Napoleon Hill. I believe this is uh, When and Influence People, one of the greatest books ever. And I remember uh, he had gotten into a discussion with uh, a couple of people. I think he was selling wood to them. And so uh, apparently this guy had called him, okay, we're talking about 80, 90 years ago, and said, hey, you sold us the wrong wood. So Napoleon Hill went there. And the next, you know, there were two guys with their sleeves rolled up, wanting to fight, 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 fight. And then what did Napoleon Hill do? He just asked questions. So I'm sorry, what did you say? Which one did you order? And he was going through all the wood. And then after probably about five questions, he realized, oh man, I fucked up. I did order the right one. But this, but that, and what ended up happening, he apologized. And so when you show someone that they're wrong or they're 
way of thinking is, let's say, uh, antiquated or very old monolithic, hey, that makes them look at themselves in the mirror. And a lot of you would say, no, that's impossible. Not here, not my boss, not them. But ask a couple of questions without disagreeing with them. I would just ask a question and say, okay, so if we do this, it's going to bring this result you're saying? And he would say, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, okay, all right. So we're going to make this amount based on these suggestions that you've given us. Uh, well, 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 now you're stuttering. Now you're kind of stepping on your own feet. Now you do not trust yourself. Now you have a little bit of distrust in you. See, these are the little things that could ultimately like help you in terms of, you know, people or, you know, in terms of, and you know, asking questions without, let's just say, getting fired. And I think one of the biggest things is the biggest question I have for you today is how important is it in your culture to save face? And I laugh about that. Because here in Thailand, it's all about saving face. It's all about saving face. So let me give you an example. There is a health minister. He's not, he's not, doesn't even have a degree in health. This guy's the CEO of one of the most corrupted co uh, companies in Thailand. This guy's name, I don't know his last name. Don't even try to get, I don't give a fuck about last names here. His name is Anu Tin, the biggest dickhead in all of the world, right? And this guy, and let's just say Cinevac. Now, for those of you that don't know, Cinevac, Cinefarm, these are completely broken, trash-ass vaccines that came about at the very beginning stages of COVID, all from China. We knew the effectivity, as much as they wanted to promote it and say, no, it's good, no, it's good, it's trash, because they didn't give us any results in regards to it. But the problem is this joint corruption between the Chinese government and the Thai government, because the shareholder of CP, one of the biggest monopolized companies in Thailand, is Chinese. And obviously he's connected with the government in China. So again, if the Thai government didn't accept these Chinese vaccines, what would have ended up happening is the relationship could have faltered. Now, the, the Thai government is no longer heavily you know, invested in Chinese tourism anymore because China has been locked down for two and a half years. It might be locked down for two and a half centuries in regards to COVID. Crazy, I know. Nope, but that's communism. But nonetheless, he unintended. And to save face, he kept accepting these bullshit vaccines. If you guys don't already know, Delta started sweeping across Thailand right after Alpha did in April of 2021. When Delta made its debut into May and June, Anuten didn't care, kept getting those Chinese vaccines. And it's crazy. He started getting very angry. He said, if anyone says that the Chinese vaccines are bad, we're going to take all this bullshit threats, threats. Because again, we're just going by the data. China doesn't want to reveal the data because they know their vaccines are dog shit. So come on, like, come on, let's be honest. He did, he's trying as much as he can to save face by ordering more shitty ass vaccines that are basically just fucking saline solution. It's basically getting an IV. That's all that is. And so, you know, so many different companies, uh, private uh, institutions, they try their hardest to get some of the, the bigger vaccines like AstraZeneca. But then, of course, can't reveal names of that. But let's just say somebody did not want to put vaccines into the arms of Thai citizens and would much rather make a profit by selling them to other neighboring countries. And again, this goes to show you 
the nature of what a country is like this. That's all there is to it. Unfortunately, the people at the very top, when they're in charge, ain't nothing going to get done. Thailand could have been way ahead, just like Singapore. But again, rampant corruption on top of rampant corruption on top of, hey, only one specific types or, you know, only these types of individuals matter. Everyone else, fuck them, right? So by saving face, they just st stuck to their lie. They stuck to their bullshit. They absolutely stuck to the bullshit. Another thing, I'm going to give you this last one right here. <clears throat> Two foreigners got killed in Koh Tao, a very popular diving destination in uh, the Gulf of Thailand. Two British backpackers. I don't know what the man and girl were doing. Apparently, they were uh, uh, accosting one another in public, okay, uh, sexually. And then a guy saw them, and the next, you know, I don't know what happened, but he killed them both. Well, this guy was part of the mafia on the island. This, these three islands, Koh Tao, Koh Phangan, Koh Samui, are heavily mafia-driven. And unfortunately, they use two Burmese migrant workers as scapegoats to save face. To save face. They use these two specific individuals and said, we're going to kill you. You can't say anything. But they know that the mafia was part of it. But you can't really take the mafia to court because the mafia owns the police. And of course, we all know who's behind the mafia. So... Unfortunately, this is a saving face type of country, even though they know how fucked up everything is. To save face is just to keep going along with their bullshit. So, again, um, you know, uh, it's just like other CEOs that have faltered uh, throughout the years. Let's say trash blockbuster is a beautiful thing a beautiful thing for them to go out the window they are pure trash anyways uh if we look at any other ceos out there okay and some of the biggest companies around the world they went with their ego they went with their heart they didn't go with the opinions of others and not based on the merits of others they went with what they said nope we're not going to do that we're going to keep doing this we're going to keep doing this and i'm going to give you this last one i'm going to say i'm going to tell you this right now there was the tutorial center that I was working for at the very beginning. And I remember the lady who was obviously there. Again, you guys already know my story with the bullshit I had to overcome with the racism here. And I remember this lady was telling me, uh, you know, we want to put general English classes here. But when I mentioned it at the meeting, everyone laughed at me and said, no, this is an academic tutorial center. And I said, dude, not everyone's learning academic. You guys got to get out of your shell. But to save face, they're going to keep going along with it because what they believe is what they believe. So I ended up starting up the conversation course in 2015, debuting the beginning of 2016, a course that I developed predicated based on, obviously, you know, this, you know, everything that's happening or happened in regards to uh, you, you know, developing this conversation course and having students and this and that, because, well, everyone who was coming in through the doors, well, 70% of them wanted to learn conversation. Not everybody wants to learn academic. And so guess what? Those people started laughing again and say, this is going to be a failure. I said, dude, you got to get out your bullshit ass feelings. First of all, I created the course and I've been paid for it. And you guys are going to love me after this because I'm going to be getting a lot of work for these nasty ass pedophiles. You got work in here. No bullshit pedophiles. I'm serious. And so uh, and of course, that I think that ended up amounting to over a three year period, probably half a million dollars. Um, yeah, half a million dollars, only which two hundred dollars I saw because I was the creator of the course. I should have used it as an asset and said, 
Well, with every course sold, I want 10%. And then whew, I would have been quite well off, you know, but nonetheless, it happened. So with that being said, people, people do not like to adapt. And if you don't adapt, you can crash and burn. You could look at the number of different companies that try adapting at the beginning of COVID, gone. People who were looking to adapt out here in Thailand, gone. The amount of homelessness that is in downtown Bangkok when I go down there, it has surged. And it's because the lack of adaptation, unfortunately. So again, what I the, the reason why I tell you this is because it's not about saving face. And the Turkish guy, you know, uh, at Air Asia, he wanted to save face. He wanted to impose his power. So he got rid of someone and gave her a severance package and said, you're finished. Just to save face, just to say, oh, no, but I'm the good one. I'm the good one. Oh, oh you think you're going to talk about me? I'm going to get you the fuck out of here. But, bro, like everyone knows what you're about now. Restructuring my ass. The restructuring fucking happened last year, bro. There's no more restructuring. COVID's finished. They're only posting these bullshit ass COVID articles to either keep you, keep you scared or because of clicks. That's all rev that's fear base and revenue driving. That's all that is. And so for him to do that, he tried to save his face. But in the long run, people already know what you're about. You literally just fired someone from having an opinion. And I could look at all the CEOs, Jeff Bezos, dickhead, Bill Gates, dickhead, Elon Musk. He's a scum. Be honest with you, so many people praise Elon Musk, but if you look at some of the things that he fired people over, over having a goddamn opinion, man, I forgot what it was. It's like, oh, if you want to work virtually or if you want to continue work working virtually, you're going to have to find another job. And he cut thousands of workers. And so we just need a little bit of perspective. You could, you could look at someone as a hero, as a god or whatever it is. I'm not here to change it. But I'm just here for you. I'm just here to have you look at it from a different hat. And so with that being said, the way the Native Americans did it, this is why I respect them so much, because they share respect amongst every group member, because every group member is an asset rather than, you know, someone just saying, oh, I've been paid off five hundred million dollars, five hundred million dollars here in Thailand. Right. Oh, you know, and I've been told that I need to import as much Cinevac as possible. Or, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to change my idea, although a lot of Thai people are dying. We're going to keep getting this Cinevac. You're not going to die. Bullshit, people. A lot of people had died with Delta because of Cinevac. And so that's just that's just putting it into perspective. So with that being said, people, there's no such thing as saving face. Do you have it in you to be humble and to say, I need help? To say, you're right to say, I'm depressed. I think there are a lot of people out there in Japan and Korea going a little bit off topic that don't. And I mean that do not, do not whatsoever want to tell other people that, oh, I'm depressed. I have this going on. I have that going on. Do you have enough dignity in yourself to save your life, to say, you know what, something is wrong. And a lot of people would say, oh, well, you know, in my country, you got to save face. Fuck what other people believe in. Fuck the culture. Fuck all that. Do you want to save your life? Save face is bullshit. I love being vulnerable. I had one of, a very difficult conversation with my fiance this morning. But at the same time, I'm like, damn, if I put it into perspective, I know where everything went. Okay. All right. Well, fuck it. I learned. It is what it is. Is it the end of the world? No. 
Okay. I'm not a catastrophizer. If I make this as bad as possible, what's the worst that could happen? I can actually save money. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to be happy no matter what. So with that being said, people, just take this podcast with a grain of salt. Over and out.